Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations of the Way. Uh, last episode, we talked about the Moabites, and this episode, we're going to talk about what I believe is the most famous Moabite of all, Ruth. So let's go ahead and get to it. Now, every single book of the Bible is powerful. I do not believe that one is more important than the other. We all may have our favorites, but the more you read the scriptures, you realize how intertwined the books are with each other. It really is amazing. Some books are much longer than others, and then you get to the shorter books and you may not think much of them. That is how our culture thinks. We discard the little things. Everything must be bigger in order to have some kind of value. If we do not understand the scripture, we can overlook even the smallest of stories. We may think that they are insignificant, but the book of Ruth is not that at all. I'm not sure exactly where this is going to take us, as there's so much to unpack from the book of Ruth. A book with only four chapters, but let's give it a shot. I think I'm just going to start by just telling you the story, and then we can come back and look at some significant points in the story. So the story takes place during the time where judges ruled the land. And we can read more of that in the book of Judges. During this time, there was a famine in the land. And a man called Elimelech took his wife and two sons into the land of Moab. They must have been in desperate times because the Israelites and the Moabites did not get along. God had even told the Israelites through Moses not to deal with them, as we can read in Deuteronomy. Things did not get easier for this family. The husband dies, and now his wife Naomi is left with only her two sons. The two sons living in Moab end up taking for themselves Moabite women. At this point, it may seem that they are being disobedient to God, but we will get to that. Things keep getting worse. Ten years later, Naomi loses her two sons and is now only left with her two daughter-in-laws that are Moabites not her people. After this, she hears that the famine is over and she decides to go back to the land of Judah. She recognizes that both of her daughters-in-law have been good to her and her family, but tells them that they need to go back to their families, probably because she knows they will not be properly welcome in Judah because of the history between the Israelites and the Moabites. They both cry out and one of them decides to go back to her people and to her gods. But Ruth did not. And she goes to make one of the most powerful statements in the scripture. In chapter 1, verse 16, she says, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. End quote. And so Naomi and Ruth head to Judah just in time for the beginning of barley harvest. Naomi and Ruth now must fend for themselves. And Ruth asked Naomi for permission to go to the fields and gather the leftovers from what was already picked up, and Naomi agrees. As Ruth is gleaning up from the field, a man named Boaz, who was considered a worthy man, notices her and his workers explain who she is. Boaz then approaches Ruth and instructs her to stay in his field and that she just should make herself feel at home. 
This touches Ruth's heart, as she knows she's a foreigner, but she is being treated kindly. Boaz informs her that he knows all that she has done for her mother-in-law, and that he acknowledges that she has left her land and her family to be part of a people she did not know. Boaz goes on to bless her, and then gives her something to eat and drink and tell his workers to let her gather more from the field. She picked up all she could until evening and went back to Naomi with all that she had gathered. After a conversational exchange with Naomi, Naomi informs her that Boaz is a close relative of the family and that he is one of the redeemers. Naomi then instructs her to keep going to his field because she is safe there and she could be assaulted somewhere else. Ruth is obedient, and she keeps gleaning off the field of Boaz until the end of the harvest. Naomi then gives advice to Ruth, to what it seems to me is to get pretty and to go down to pay Boaz a visit. Naomi gives Ruth some very detailed instructions, which she's obedient to. Ruth waits for Boaz to go to sleep after dinner. She then goes and gently uncovers his feet and lays at his feet. Boaz wakes up around midnight and notices a woman at his feet. Ruth then introduces herself as his servant and asks Boaz to redeem her. Boaz agrees to do this because not only has he seen her worthiness, but so have all the rest of the men in the town. He goes on to explain that he cannot redeem her just yet, because there is another family member that was closer to being a redeemer than himself. So, Boaz goes on and has a talk with the redeemer and the elders concerning Naomi and a piece of land that she's selling. The redeemer agrees, but Boaz also tells him that when he buys the piece of land, he also must take on the responsibility to take care of Ruth. When the redeemer heard this, he decided not to be the redeemer because if he took on this responsibility, he would, according to him, lose his own inheritance. This allows Boaz to be the redeemer. Boaz then marries Ruth, have a son. Even Naomi gets redeemed in the process after all that she has lost. And everyone lives happily ever after. The end. Well, at least for this part of our conversation. So, how do you like the story so far? You've been feeling this is a nice story with a happy ending with not too much depth to it. The idea was just to give you an overview of what is happening. And now I'm going to bring up some interesting points to the story. Now, let us start with what I believe is the door to understanding the importance of the story. The fact that Ruth is a Moabite woman. If you heard the prior episode, you know where the Moabites came from and why they're not friends with the Israelites. If you have not heard, if you have not heard it, then just go back and hear it. But long story short, uh, Lot, the nephew of Abraham, did a no-no and had a son named Moab. Um, the Moabs did not treat this like right. And then through Moses, they instructed that for 10 generations, they shall never yoke themselves. In other words, you, you, uh, unite themselves with the Moabites, as we read in um, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3. That was a non-negotiable commandment that had to be kept. So how was it okay for Boaz to marry Ruth? Well, according to genealogy, 
In the first chapter of Matthew, we can see that starting from Abraham, ten, ten generations have passed, and that gave Moaz the opportunity to redeem Ruth, and at the same time, redeeming the Moabites. Now, the Moabites can be grafted into the same promises and covenants as Israel. The Father's word is true, and he keeps his promises. So, that was door number one on how God made a way, but we can keep seeing his grace throughout the story. Behind number door number two is the harvest season. As we mentioned earlier, Naomi decided to go back because the famine in Judah was over and the barley harvest um, season has started. Now, this allowed Ruth to have the initial contacts with Boath. Imagine that you're a person of low means. You're walking by Sugarcane Field in, let's say, New Iberia or White Castle, Louisiana. The machines and men are harvesting the fields, and you decide to pick up some stalks. Just enough that you can carry. Do you think that the people working in the fields are just going to let you take it away? Maybe. If the field belongs to them, sure. The people around those areas are good people. But at the same time... It would not surprise me if they didn't if the field belonged to a corporation and not them. Not because the people aren't necessarily mean, it's just not part of the corporate culture. But that is not the way God operates. A commandment of God in Deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 19 to 22 goes as follows. When you're harvesting in your field and, you're, and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. End quote. Ruth checks at least two of the boxes. She's a foreigner and she's a widow. Boaz was a worthy man, as the book of Ruth says. He obviously knew the word of God, his commandments. Boaz was not a poor man. He had fields and people working for him. He reaped what he sowed. He was blessed by what he reaped and he will keep being blessed, as we will see. If it wasn't for this commandment and it was if it was not for Boaz being obedient, he would have never met Ruth. So now we have seen two doors that the Father has opened for Ruth. Now let us see what's behind door number three. When I was breaking down the story, I mentioned the word redeemed a few times. This is an important door and one of understanding. Ruth is being blessed beyond what it appears she deserves from the outside looking in. But she's not a very desirable woman. She's a foreigner, a stranger, in a, land that does, in a land that does not like her kind. She's also a widow. Not very attractive qualities. Yet, she has been able to provide for her and her mother-in-law. And now, she has caught the eyes of Boaz. But Boaz, knowing the commandments and being a follower of the commandments, knows that he cannot just marry her. But the father also made provisions and a way to do so. Just like he knew that commandment of chapter 24 that we just mentioned about the foreigners in the fields, he also knows the commandment of chapter 25. 
That commandment states that if a man dies and he has a brother, the brother shall take her as a wife. It may seem like a strange commandment, but this allowed women to have a sense of security in a time that they could not. Knowing this, Boaz knew that he was not the next in line. But thankfully, the first redeemer rejected Ruth, and Boaz was able to marry Ruth and be redeemed when it seemed impossible for a foreign woman to do so. And even if, as this seems incredible, it gets way better. Let me read to you chapter 4, verse 18 through 22 of the book of Ruth. It says, This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminabab. Aminabab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. End quote. Do you catch that? Boaz, who, was married, who married Ruth, a Moabite, is in the lineage of David. David is not even a king yet in this, in this story, but eventually will. And who is also in the lineage of David as well? You guessed it. Our Messiah, the King of Kings. Isn't that just incredible? That was that someone who would be considered a no one will end up being in the lineage of Jesus. That's just amazing. And there's so much more to uncover and we will in our next conversation. Final thoughts. There are many of us just suffering because we do not know who we are. We do not know our identity. The world sees us as just a number, dispensing us as recyclables, treating us like foreigners even in our own land. But when we understand who we are in Christ, things start to change. We no longer concern about what the world thinks of us. We may be just like Ruth in the sense that we feel like outcasts. And we are barely getting by and just surviving by gleaning off the fields of the world. But when we understand that our Redeemer has made a way for all of us, regardless of our past, our backgrounds, our sins, our Heavenly Father sent us a Redeemer. The way the truth, and the life, who is Jesus. I hope this conversation encouraged you to walk through the door of redemption, who is our Messiah, Yeshua Jesus. Until next time.